Not long after Helen Melkai was found brutally murdered in her North Champaign home in 2003, police identified two suspects and eventually charged the pair for first-degree murder. However, those charges eventually were dropped, leaving the murder of Helen Melkai unsolved. It remains that way today, frustrating both police and her family. In her latest Cold Cases podcast series, News Gazette Media's Carol Varell revisits the grisly 2003 scene, talks to police, the state's attorney, and family members about their frustration of this case not getting solved and maybe new clues to help solve it. We'll be back with Carol's latest story after this. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week. From Dave Gentry's Morning Show to Scott Beatty's News Hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. When something silly happens, Sandy Hammerschmidt of Philo still thinks about calling her mother, Helen Melkai, to tell her all about it just like she always used to. She would talk to her mom at least once a day and visited her mother often in her Champagne home in the 1300 block of North Hickory on the city's north end. She was a real sweetheart. Everybody loved her. She uh, would do anything for you. There was times where if I couldn't get home to Philo from work, then um, she'd host a whole gang of us from work. She'd make supper for us, apple pie, then she'd have pajamas for everybody. So she was there for everybody. She was of that, that era of, of helping people. Sandy says her mother cherished her grandkids, and they always wanted to be with her. They spent a lot of time at Grandma's house, the house Helen had lived in for more than 40 years, the home where she and her late husband, Milt, raised Sandy and her brother, Ed. But all of this would suddenly change on a terribly heartbreaking day back in July of 2003. That's when Sandy and her husband, Herschel, found her mom, Helen Melkai, dead in her home. A horrifying discovery just two days before Helen would celebrate her 85th birthday. She was a good and kind-hearted person, and she didn't deserve this. Champagne detective Rob DeLong has been reviewing the case, talking to original detectives assigned to the case 16 years ago, and studying old reports and evidence. He says it appears July 1st, 2003, seemed to be quite a normal day for Helen Melkai. Seems like, by all indications, it was just her normal daily routine. She was seen, it was in summertime, she was seen outside cleaning up her yard, gardening. I know on the last day of her life, she had lunch with her grandson. It was not uncommon for him to come over there and have lunch with her before he went to work, and that happened on that day. But later on this day, neighbors noticed something that wasn't part of Helen's regular routine. There were a couple of neighbors that noticed Helen's newspaper is still out in the yard. That's unusual. Usually she gets it and brings it in. Helen's garage door is up. She's not outside. That's kind of unusual, which led to them calling her daughter. Helen's daughter, Sandy, remembers that day. I talked to her every day. That was the one day I didn't call her. We had gotten busy at work, and I was driving home, and my husband called and said, neighbor can't get a hold of your mom. That's weird. And I said, well, I'll, I'll be there in a couple minutes to the house, and... He said, okay, well, then we're, we're going to go back in. And I called all the way and no answer. And 
I walked in the house and I thought, well, this kind of, something doesn't look right here. And I walked through her bedroom and it didn't look right in there either. And then I heard him call her name and my husband's the one that found her. About 8.45 that night, they called police. They found the house uh, had been ransacked. It was kind of in a way that was consistent with a burglary. And uh, Miss Melkai was found uh, deceased in the bathtub and she was bound and gagged. And fully clothed? Yes. What did the autopsy show? The autopsy showed that uh, her cause of death was uh, manual strangulation and her body was uh, bruised and consistent with a beating, as well as being having been bound and gagged. So when you say manual strangulation, what do you mean? No ligature was used. It was somebody who used their, essentially their bare hands to, to strangle her. DeLong says authorities from numerous agencies held the house for three days as an active crime scene. There was a very thorough uh, and extensive search of the residence done by the Champaign Police Department Crime Scene Unit as well as the Illinois State Police um, Crime Scene Unit. They were incredibly thorough. We literally have the kitchen sink uh, from the residence in evidence to this day at the Champaign Police Department. So when you hear them say they took everything but the kitchen sink, no, we, we took it in this case. With that being said, I can't really get into any kind of specifics about the, the, all the items taken and any potential they may have for DNA and other forensic evidence. Police at the time said they worked with the coroner to protect the crime scene from any contamination. So the coroner waited until the next day to enter the house. As a result, Helen's official time of death is recorded as July 2, 2003. The cruel murder of Helen Melkai and apparent robbery of her home was already painful enough for her family, but the way the case would unfold also brought frustration to Helen's family and police, ultimately becoming an extremely complicated case as it wound its way through the criminal justice system. There's some evidence that was collected, and as well as witness statements obtained by the initial detectives investigating this um, at the time. I believe this was intended to be a robbery, starting either outside near the back door or at the back door of the residence, um, and ultimately led to Helen being found in the bathroom. What do we know that was taken? Um, there was some fairly specific jewelry that was taken, as well as an undisclosed amount of cash, but not a, not a whole lot of anything from the house. Were any of those items ever recovered? No. The Melkai home was the center of so many special memories up until that terrible day in July of 2003. Sandy's mom was so attached to the home that she wouldn't even consider leaving it, even though she lived alone, and her family encouraged her over and over again to move somewhere else. Her comment was, I'm going to live here until I die. I'm not going to move out. She lived in that house because that was what she had from my dad and that she wanted to be there and just be a good neighbor. Unfortunately, that end of town started getting bad and she wouldn't move. We tried to get her to move and she wouldn't do it. Said this was her house and we did a lot of safeguards for her, but I guess it didn't work this time. Stay with us to find out about suspects after this. I hope you're enjoying Carol Varell's latest Cold Cases Podcast. This is Jim Rosso, Vice President of News at News Gazette Media, hoping that you subscribe to the News Gazette because it takes resources to do this kind of reporting, and your subscription helps. Click on subscriptions at our website, newsgazette.com, to get started. Now back to Carol's podcast. In the several months following the murder of Helen Melkai, detectives developed four suspects. 
Without getting into too many specifics about it, like you said, there was information received by those detectives working the case at the time regarding those who were believed to be involved in Helen's murder. A lot of that had to do with details of the crime that hadn't been publicly released that were being spoken about, and then that information was coming back to the police department. That's kind of how how those people became, came to be identified and talked to. Two of the suspects, Ramon Robach and William Lee, were arrested in early 2004 and were charged with first-degree murder by the Champaign County State's Attorney's Office under John Pyland. No charges were filed against the other two suspects. Police and prosecutors say the theory was that, allegedly, Lee acted as the lookout and Roebuck and the others were involved by going into Helen's house. William Lee went to trial and was convicted in September of 2004, but Champaign County Circuit Judge Harry Clem overturned the verdict, ruling a statement Lee made to Champaign police implicating himself and others was not voluntary and therefore was inadmissible in the case. Current state's attorney Julia Reitz took office in December of 2004 and at that time appealed Judge Clem's ruling. The case was built largely based on the statement's confession uh, made by William Lee when he was interviewed by the Champaign Police Department during the course of the investigation. So we, of course, appealed that decision, and ultimately the appellate court affirmed Judge Clem's ruling so we could not use really the main evidence that we had linking William Lee to this homicide. The ruling to bar the key evidence against William Lee caused a ripple effect on the murder case against Ramon Roebuck. Reitz says she had a difficult decision to make. The statement by William Lee was also the main piece of evidence against Ramon Roebuck. And I suppose in theory, William Lee would have had to testify against Ramon Roebuck, and that wasn't going to happen. And so ultimately, I, as the state's attorney, had to decide, how am I going to handle these cases? And I, again, had no evidence other than this statement that was now ruled inadmissible. And so ultimately, we had to dismiss both William Lee's case and Ramon Roebuck's case. In the meantime, Sandy says her mom has missed out on so much. Now she's got great-grandkids that she didn't know about, and one of them has my mom's first na name as her middle name. So she's, she's still being remembered. Our son has a taped interview with her for, that he did for a, a class in high school, and so, so we get, still get to listen to her once in a while. Are the same four men still suspects in the case 16 years later? Are there others? Detective DeLong declines to say much. Over the course of the last 16 years, nothing has changed to make us believe there's something different than what we initially believed and was initially investigated has occurred. That's really the most I can say about that. Although DeLong declines to be specific, he does say the department is keeping up with the advancements in technology that have helped crack cold cases open in Champaign County and elsewhere in recent years. So I can't be super specific about that, but uh, we do keep up on advances in any kind of forensic technology, and uh, we're continually looking to see if any of the evidence that we possess can either be retested 
or tested for the first time with those advances in technology. As far as the status of any of that testing or items that we may have that are being tested or may be retested, I can't get into that at this time. But someone did beat and strangle Helen Melkai, and they've been getting away with the murder of Sandy's mom. If you had a chance to say something to the people involved in this horrible, horrible incident, what would you like to say to them? They're cowards. They're cowards. I mean, why would you, you knew that you could outwit this little old lady, and that doesn't make you a man, and as far as I'm concerned, you're a coward. But even though there was a trial and the verdict was thrown out, state's attorney Julia Reed says charges can be refiled or brought against others in the murder of Helen Melkai. So no one has been convicted. And because of the procedural history, there is no double jeopardy involved. They both could still be recharged. Other people could be charged initially if we had the evidence to, to proceed to move forward. As the years have passed, Helen's family struggles with not only the emptiness in their lives, but also that people who may know something have remained quiet. And Sandy holds out hope that the robbers who killed her mother are finally brought to justice. Whoever did this took a good person. Nothing we can do about it except hope that somebody will come up and say something. You know, it's, it's, it's time. It really is. She was an old lady. What, what it, they wouldn't want that to happen to their mom or grandma. And I realize that they don't like to talk and they're afraid and it's time to buck up and do it. Reed says the murder of Mrs. Melkai is different from the other cold cases featured by the News Gazette media in this series because police and prosecutors have an idea of what they believe happened and who they believe may have been involved. But that crucial evidence so necessary for a solid conviction in court eludes detectives and prosecutors 16 years later. The kind of evidence that will prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. No statute of limitations for murder. No double jeopardy in this case. It's as though police and prosecutors are at the very beginning, at square one. And they can't go it alone. They need your help. Julia Reitz. In any homicide case, we need actual physical evidence connecting a suspect to an event, to a homicide, and certainly we need information from people who might know something, from somebody who might have seen something, somebody who might have heard something, someone who might have been told something. All of that is uh, absolutely relevant, useful evidence that uh, we are going to continue to seek out um, and utilize and making a decision about whether we can move forward with charges in this homicide. Detective DeLong says police hope there is someone out there who may have information who were either too intimidated to come forward at the time or did come forward with only part of the information that they had. They hope that these people and others will come forward to speak to police. We're not going to show up on your doorstep with six squad cars and a bunch of police officers in uniform. I work in plain clothes. I can cover my badge and my gun up with a jacket and come talk to you. 
you don't have to come down to the police department to have that conversation. I don't have to come to your house to have that conversation. We can talk really anywhere and anytime that, that you're comfortable with. There is that stigma about not wanting to talk to the police or getting labeled one way or another, but when it really comes down to it is we have to all be human beings, you know, and, and this is a human being that needs someone to speak for her. She can't speak for herself, so people have to step up and do the right thing. Anyone with information is urged to call the Investigations Division at the Champaign Police Department at 217-403-6900 and ask for Detective Rob DeLong. Or you can remain anonymous by calling Crime Stoppers at 217-373-TIPS. Reed says detectives and her office want to solve the case and are ready to move forward if there is additional admissible evidence that is sufficient to meet the burden of proof needed for a conviction to stick. This case is a perfect example of the fact that what we believe we know is very different from what we can prove in court beyond a reasonable doubt. There's a difference between what you know, what you believe, and what is admissible evidence in a court of law that can withstand the analysis required for a jury to find someone guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That's our burden. That's our standard. And so with this case, we have to hold ourselves to that standard. I can't imagine the frustration and heartbreak that Helen's family has gone through over the last 16 years. All of our cases bother us. We lose sleep, we lose time away from our families when we investigate these major crimes, and they all bother us. It's heartbreaking, you know, and you want to be able to find answers and, and bring some resolution and some closure to the family. As Helen Melkai's family still seeks some kind of closure, her daughter expresses a wish. I just wish somebody would step forward and be a grown-up and stop being afraid because I would think that if they turn them in they would be in jail f for the rest of their lives so they shouldn't have to worry about somebody coming after them. I'm Carol Varell.